Welcome to Returning Home. I am talking to my walk, my morning walk, and I've stopped doing these recordings and took a break, I guess, from talking about things, the war and my own kids and stuff, because it's been, you know, a week or more of just, I thought, and I, I still think, you know, nothing good. You know, prisoner exchange, hostage release, that's good. But, um, you know, this isn't done and it's very uh, distressing. The whole, uh, the big show going on here. I know abroad you probably get news that's showing these hostages and probably delving into their families and everything. Um, but here, we, we are, you know, seeing them being marched out and looking for them and they're being taken from one terror organization to another and they can't find them. And it's just ridiculous. The numbers are so small. Ten sausages here, seven hostages there. I mean, and we're releasing so many terrorists, we're releasing so many bad guys. And, um, you know, we all know when you release these bad guys, they're just going to do terror attacks again. So I took a break from uh, that and I brought someone on the show and I recorded an interview with a woman strictly about Aliyah. And that's what I'm going to play for you now. I will say one more thing, though, before I bring her on. This week I got a letter, a written letter from my son who's inside Gaza. As you know, they don't have their phones. And uh, I got a call from a reservist and he um, lives uh, 10 minutes away. And he called me and said, I have a letter from your son. And um, I had a package from my sister. Her little girl is in Hebrew school and her Hebrew school class wrote letters to soldiers. So I got this packet like last week Maybe 20 letters. It's so cute. So I drove to this guy. It's a kibbutz nearby. And we exchanged. He gave me my letter. I gave him the packet of letters. And the letter from my son is so funny. It's nice, you know. And I'm going to read it to you. Um, but it's just funny because he is 20 years old. And in this day and age, kids don't really write letters. It's a lost art. You know, when I grew up, we wrote letters. I wrote letters at camp in the summer. I wrote letters to friends who had moved away. Even when I went to college, I wrote letters. I wrote letters to my parents. I wrote letters to my sisters. I wrote letters to friends, to boyfriends, old boyfriends. I, I have letters, you know. I have a whole packet of them. Those airmail envelopes when I was, li- when I was living in Israel. Um, and then, you know, even when I was growing up, and every summer, when I, went to, I went away to camp a few summers, and my sisters and I exchanged letters and even drawings, you know, and we did drawing contests in the letters and, you know, letter writing is, is something we did. Much to my mom, letters all the time, my whole life. And that then translated into email letters, right? But our children never really wrote letters where you put them in an envelope and put a stamp on it and send it and then you have to wait for an answer. And so, so they live on their phones and it's just kind of very telling on the outside of the letter, he had to make an envelope out of paper, and actually it's it's closed with um, medical tape. He is a medic. He has two names and two phone numbers 
the name is my name and a phone number and my husband's name and a phone number and both the phone numbers are wrong and what does that say you know our kids don't memorize numbers they're in their phones and they just go to our name they, they don't memorize anything the way we used to so this guy had been calling the wrong number for a long long time and he finally got to someone who knew me and uh he got to me but the letter's very cute he says his location and that he is uh, in charge of food. Okay, I'll read the letter. It's, not, it's short, it's nice. Dear family, I miss you all very much. My team and I have been shooting mortars nonstop since we've been active in Gaza. We have been staying at what used to be a university, but has now become a military outpost. My officer gave me responsibility to keep count of the food supply. It was tough when we didn't have much food, so everybody hated me. But now we got good supplies. Thankfully, we are all healthy and well, so don't worry too much. Tell Tzachi that if he messes up my room, he is doomed. Love you all. Tzachi is his little brother, and he shares a room with him at home. So that was a letter. All right, now we're going to play the um, interview I recorded by um, a woman who made Aliyah about a year ago, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We are speaking today with a woman who made Aliyah from Baltimore with her family, um, I think a year ago, but she'll, she'll let us know the details. Her name is Devorah uh, Solomon from Baltimore, and she actually moved to Afula. And we don't have many Americans up there. We haven't had anyone in the show um, on the air with me from Afula. Afula's up north. And it's a real, um, it's an overlooked city. I mean, there's a hospital there, but uh, you, don't, you don't hear much about it. And Anglos don't really go there. Uh, Devorah came here with no family. She came with a group of other Americans who were um, doing kind of like a group aliyah. And it sounded very interesting. I actually met her on Facebook. She, she responded to um, somebody asking if they should come to Israel with children who were teenagers, I think. And she was like, absolutely, just get here as soon as you can. I liked her right away and gave her a call and brought her on the show. I want to welcome her right now. Devorah, thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Wonderful. Tell, tell us a little bit about um, why you made Aliyah. You, you told me when we spoke earlier, I, I liked what you told me. And if you could just pretty much uh, tell our listeners how the uh, how that developed so quickly. Sure. So my husband and I in America, my husband's from England. Um, we actually met in Israel and we got married here and had our first three children. And we actually lived in Yushalayim for six years. And then we decided to move to Baltimore um, for various reasons, we went to America, where we lived for 15 years. Um, but in the back of our minds, we're like, you know what, we're going to make it back to Israel, we're going to wait for our youngest, who was eight at the time, um, to graduate high school, we had a 10 year plan. And we were going to retire in Netanya, that was like our vacation place, whenever um, we ever wanted to go away. Uh, we went to Netanya. It was about like an hour. I think it's like an hour from Yushalayim or something. So it was like easy to get to. Like that was our plan. And then Corona hit and they closed the borders. And we weren't planning to make Aliyah at that time. 
But in the back of my mind, I was like, they closed the borders. I may not go in when I choose that I want to come back home. And my husband is also on the same page as me. We like had that dream of coming back to Israel. And then we sped it up. We're like, okay, let's do this now. And silver lining of Corona is because my husband was working remotely. I do not think his company would have allowed remote work. It wasn't even a concept in his contract. They had to, um, we like begged for them, him to like stay home on Fridays work from home on Fridays because of the travel time. It would take him 40, 45 minutes without traffic to get to work. So we were telling the company, like he could get more hours in on working from home on a Friday. It was such a new concept that they were doing us such a big favor. I don't think they would have let us, you know, work from home because of Corona, it became the new normal. Right. Right. You're not the first person to, to uh, talk about that, that, that should have enabled, um, a lot more Aliyah, and it should have been a big sign, a flashing sign, um, saying the borders are not always going to be open. You know, the world is unpredictable. You saw that flashing red sign, and you did something about it. Yeah, and then there were some signs also in America, living there through Corona, how the government so quickly took control and of everything basically um like regardless if you agree with it or not i definitely this is not the place for this but the fact is is that you cannot be within six foot six feet of a person um you had to wait on lines for for just to get into a store it was becoming so uncomfortable in america that i didn't like that government control being in america it it didn't feel like it didn't feel safe for us to be there anymore with, with so much going on. And we were inspired to come back home to move to Israel. Well, good. We're glad you did. Um, I'll just let you know that here, Corona was pretty much just as bad, but it's Israel. And exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's Israel. So when they're saying six feet, you know, some people listen, some people don't. When they were saying, you know, take your temperature when you went into a store, You know, the guards were kind of doing it, kind of not doing it. Um, You know, Israel. So rules, no, you know, some people follow the rules. I I agree that it could have been the same exact scenario, but I'd rather be in Israel. Right. And to to follow the rules here than be subjects in America. Right. Right. It's it's creepy. It's it's very creepy. And um, I, I also would not have wanted to be there. And it got you out of there. But, you know, why? Why didn't why didn't. You know, 50,000 uh, North Americans come. Why Why was it still the standard? You know, we got 4,000 Olim um, during 2020, I think. We didn't get a big Aliyah. There why? Was, there was. There was a big move. There, So many people I know made Aliyah at that. I shouldn't say so many. A handful of people made Aliyah. Um, Nefesh Benefesh said there, there was a huge influx of Aliyah during that time to the point where it actually influenced where we moved to. Because in all honesty, I never thought of moving to the North. Um, we were gonna move to Ramat Beit Shemesh. There was no other question in my mind at that time that there was any other alternative. And in my unique story is we started calling real estate agents 
Um, I actually have a friend that I went to seminary with and I called her. There was someone that my husband knew. He called him every door we knocked on. And I think it was because there were so many other people before us um, that were like knocking on their door and it just kept getting shut on us. Every time we tried, nothing was happening. So I felt stuck. I felt like, oh my gosh, where are we going to move to? And that's when we started, I saw a blurb actually in one of my many Aliyah chats that I was on. And that's um, a group Aliyah um, to the north. And there is a deputy mayor, Rabbi Menachem Gold, who was supporting this, like helping us um, find apartments, get into the schools. And many families from Baltimore, we actually had a couple of community meetings um, to find out more information. And we decided that we're going to do that. Like everything was there for us, the apartments, schools, it just made sense for us to, to do that. And okay. the cost of living, you get so much more value here in regards to space. Um, like what you, you can't even like what we're living in now, you can't, we would not be able to have this space in more central Israel. Okay. Tell us exactly what you're talking about. So people can hear, because there may be people listening who, you know, don't know about a Fula, who only know mm -hmm. the popular I call it the places. Hidden gem. I call a Fula the hidden gem. It's a city, but not a major, like big, huge city. So Every time we like go to Yerushalayim or go anywhere, we come back and we can like take a deep breath of air. It just feels really good to be here. But I call the suburbs. Right. And um, we personally don't have a car. You can definitely get around without a car. It's, car is just for the convenience. Um, and we chose not to um, have a car at this time. And we rely on public transportation. And then once a week for like a big shop, we there's this something called a city car, which is, uh, I think called like a ride share, car share or something. It's just an app and you reserve it. And it's 50 shekels for the two hours that we spend shopping. So we don't have to, and there's, we don't have to pay for gas, insurance. It's for us, it's a very good deal. Well, what is it? We, but what is that? Do you, do you rent a car? Yeah, it's uh, it's a car share. Yeah, it's a, it's called City Car, and they have them parked in different locations throughout. Wow, I love and it. And it's an app, and you just sign up on the app. You reserve for your time, and they give you a code to unlock the car. We've gotten used to it the first time. We're like, how do you do this? You feel like and it's like everything else. You figure it out. Right. And we found it to be extremely convenient. Wow, I love it. Yeah, and then if we want to go to Yerushalayim from Afula, it's about, without traffic, an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, we're about 30 minutes to Tiberia, 30 minutes is a train to Haifa. And then from yes. Haifa, sometimes people will uh, go to the airport, like they'll have to go get to Haifa first. Um, but yeah, transportation is available. Here. Okay, okay, but that that's fine because you're in the north, so it's pretty funny to hear the closest city is Tavaria. Um, it's tell awesome. us, it's yeah, really, it's funny. I like, hop on a bus in 30 minutes. You're at the Canary. Yeah, really cool. yeah, it is very cool. Um, tell me about your uh, about your real quick, if you don't mind. Tell me about your apartment and what is you know. You told me when we were speaking that you're with a lot of 
neighbors that you know you all came together the apartments were together how big are they right. how that much is the it? original landing very okay. soft landing um it was two brand new buildings side by side huge israeli standard um five bedrooms here they everything is by a room so they would call it six rooms but it was uh five bedrooms and it was like I said, we had we personally took the ground floor because we actually made Aliyah with our two dogs as well. And it was it was very, very nice. It was a wonderful group of families that we came with, all like-minded, all chose to move to the north. Um most of the families stayed in Afula. Nobody went back to America. Um a, one family decided to move to Bat Ayan. Um, and another two families moved from Mape Chemish. One, um, one, because they needed a little bit more for their kids in regards to services for, for their children in schools. And another one's um, mother lived in Mape Chemish. She decided she wanted to be closer there. All right. The let rest- me just let me just cut in a minute. I, I, I have here some notes. I just want to let our listeners know. You came here with seven children from age yes. eight to 19. And your two golden doodle dogs. Um, that is a big trip, and that is a big move. And uh, you know, I'm 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 listening to you say it was very nice. It was very nice an apartment. Now, some people leave a home, a house, and the thought of an apartment like terrifies them. Right. Tell me your reaction to that and how you adjusted. Right. So we did move on from the apartment, but how did my children adjust? They've never lived in an apartment before and honestly they were fine because it was I think because it was brand new and um they got to know all the other families and their children it was kind of like a bungalow vibe where (laughs) we're all just living together and like a whole group of English speaking in an area where it's very very Israeli and I have to say the Israelis we're so excited that we got there. Like we were right. the talk of the town. What a welcome. <laughs> that's so nice to hear. That's very cool, nice. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. very nice. Okay, so that's good. Um, how are the children doing? How are they integrating? It's a very Israeli city, like you said. And you're coming from Baltimore. Um, you're religious people. You're, you know, what are you? More modern Orthodox, Haredi type. And um, did they have Hebrew? Are they picking up Hebrew? How's that going? Okay, so we came here not knowing a word. My husband speaks a little bit. Like, out of a whole conversation, he'll understand 50% and pretend to understand the other 50%. So he comes out knowing half of the conversation. (laughs) Just telling you our starting point, like where we're coming from. My children, you know, what they got in school, which unfortunately was not a lot of conversational Hebrew. And just to backtrack, someone in the Kihila had an idea in our group that they're going to open up a school for the English speakers where we slowly integrate. The plan was not carried out the way it was said. So for the first six months, my children were in this English speaking school. It wasn't supposed to be English speaking. It was supposed to be Hebrew with a lot of language support. But it ended up being the other way with a lot of English and a little bit of Hebrew support. So after six mm. months and my children didn't couldn't speak a sentence of Hebrew, I'm like, this is not good. And in the meantime, they had no child. They didn't have any challenges 
because they were all together. They weren't even in an Israeli school. Someone decided they're going to open up these schools. And we all thought it was a great idea because on paper, it sounded perfect. <laughs> but as we all know, not everything is what it seems. So, and actually, that's one of the reasons why we decided to come here, because somebody was talking about opening up these schools. And we're like, sounds amazing. We're going to do this. And we got here and the schools did not work out. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we had we had to make a choice. Do we stay in a Fula or do we go somewhere else? But we actually fell in love with the Fula. Like, we don't want to go anywhere else. And we were actually moved. We sold our house in Baltimore and we took that money as a down payment and we bought a house here for a chashat. Like, thank God that we were able to do that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, possibly, like, it's a little bit different here. You just don't calculate. You just, a lot of Amuna here. Um, right. And um, yeah, so we were able to move into this house, thank God, and my children, we did something we said we were not going to do, put them in an all-Israeli school with very limited support, but we did it. Rabbi Gold helped us. He introduced us to the principal. The kids spent a couple of days in the school, and they actually loved it. It's been a roller coaster, ups and downs, but the beginning, they were treated like superstars, like these kids who don't speak Hebrew, who are speak English, which is the biggest novelty for these Israelis who, especially in the North, they're not as, they're not exposed at all to Americans. It's not like central right. Israel. Like my daughter who now lives in Yushalayim got a job without speaking Hebrew in Yushalayim. Like in the North, people speak Hebrew and you really integrate a lot more quickly here, but the language is a big piece. So my kids go into these schools without speaking. They were very welcome, very limited support, even though the principals, the Manahel, they all want to help. They were really all there for my children emotionally. So we have people taking our kids out and going over what they're doing in class. My daughter, who is now nine, eight when we made Aliyah, she actually, I heard her playing in her room the other day in Hebrew. <laughs> Nice. And I was like, is this my child? <laughs> like, wow, 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 wow. And my other kids are doing really well as well. I have a daughter in 11th grade. And when we pulled our kids out of the English speaking schools, it was around Pesach time. So they haven't even been in schools really that long of a time. And my 11th grader decided this year that she wants to master the language. She decided she's going to take tests. And they modify the tests for her, like all her friends help her. It's really special. Very, uh -huh. very special. Well, that's very good. That's a, that is a success story. Um, and I want everyone listening, you know, we've been talking about the war these past six weeks and uh, I had to take a break from it. It's just, it's just too heavy and it's, too, uh, it's just depressing really. So I wanted to talk about Alia again. And it's so nice to hear a story like um, where it is challenging a big family, such a range of ages, and also not going where everyone else goes. You know how many people come on the show and they live in either Gush Etzion or um, Be Shemesh? I, I had to stop interviewing people. You know, it's like enough with that. And and you're giving me a, a great story. So if anybody else has questions, everyone out there listening um, is considering Aliyah. And uh, I just, I want to keep talking to Deborah in a minute. But if you want to go to Afula and you want to go to a new place and a place where there aren't, tons of Americans 
consider the North. The North is nice. There's a lot of space. And um, you can ask me any questions and I'll pass them on to Devorah. But I want to just talk about one other thing. We talked about it quickly. Oh, I just lost my train of thought. It wasn't about the war. It was about um, you and I were talking about the anti-Semitism in America. And you said something funny to me. You said, I wonder what everyone there is thinking. And I said to you, well, don't you know? Aren't you in touch with people there? Right? Yeah. What, what, yeah. Do, you, what do you have to say? Right. So I actually messaged a friend of mine, and she told me she does not feel safe. And I said to her, is it because of the media that you don't feel safe, like things on the news and you're scared to go out? Or do you see it and feel it around you? She said she goes into Target and it doesn't feel safe when she sees Muslims around her. You just don't know where they're coming from and what's represented now and who's really um, pro Hamas and they're Muslims. You don't know who they are, and it's scary. Um, here, we know. We know who to trust, who not to trust. You know, not, not talking about Arabs. Like, we don't trust anybody right now. But in America, they haven't lived it. They're not living it. So they're just like, are they good people? You know, like, they, they really, they're still questioning it, but they don't feel like they're in a safe place. My friend's like, who's going to protect us in America? Like, in Israel, they know who they're fighting. In America... <laughs> It's just pick a side, like the, the government. Like, who are they going to defend? We don't really know. So Yeah, we do. <laughs> right, right. So I'm saying leave America. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. It's um it's pretty bad. So my and... question is, what are people thinking? These are my thoughts. I really yeah. want to know. Like, what are people thinking? I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is um it's funny. I heard these Israeli friends of mine talking, Israeli friends. Okay. They grew up here. They're from here. They're Israeli. And they were talking to each other right in front of me saying, do you think there's going to be a big Aliyah? Yes. There's going to be a big Aliyah, a strong Aliyah, Aliyah Chazak. And I said nothing because I was thinking to myself, ah, we'll see. We'll see. Because um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I just want to touch base about one more thing in regards to my Aliyah and my kids. My, I have one son who's 15. He was going into ninth grade. He's now in 10th. And we weren't quite sure. This is, again, around, it was a little bit before Pesach time. We were like, what are we going to do with him? I did not feel comfortable. He did not feel comfortable. We would have supported it if he wanted it. Um, where are we going to send our ninth grade or to high school? Like here in the North, especially without only support to send to an all Israeli Haredi yeshiva. I don't think he would have acclimated or felt comfortable. So we, he actually boards in Ramat Beit Shemesh in a yeshiva. Um, Rabbi Waxman is the Rosh Yeshiva. It's a very small yeshiva. There's about 10 or 12 boys. Um, and it's, it's in English. I would have preferred Hebrew, but when you're talking about a 15-year-old boy and he's happy where he is, we don't rock the boat, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he dorms there during the week and comes back for Shabbos. And I just have to say for people from coming from America who have led, you know, a very sheltered life, my son, his, so, his independence has grown so much. He, he travels by himself from Afula to Shalim. He actually has to go to Shalim and then take a bus to Ramat Beit Shemesh. And he does this 
all by himself. I would I was not that parent that would have sent their <laughs> child off to high school in America. People did that. They had to find the right place. We were in Baltimore. There were plenty of choices for us. I was I would it was not even like a conversation. And here I am sending my son in Israel to Ramat Beit Shemesh from Afula, and he's grown so much that it's it's amazing. Yeah, that that um, cannot be understated. The the independence our children have here. My gosh! Yeah, from a very young age, you're you're just very funny to hear you say fifteen. You're like he's only fifteen, and I'm like, my God, you know, my my <laughs> kid is like, you know, uh, tramping at t- the age of ten, going to birthday parties <laughs> in the strange cars. But you do have this the safety here, you know, when you're in a Jewish country, and um, everyone around you kind of has family, looks out for each other's kids, so even mm-hmm. if you're strangers. You 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 can let your kids go, and they do become independent. They learn how to take the buses. They learn how to deal with bus drivers. They learn how to deal with the big bus stations. They learn how to deal with mistakes. My son last week, and he's fourteen. Okay, he's in ninth grade. He went with friends. He he they're doing one week on, one week off at the yeshiva because all the teachers are in the army. Um, so on his week off. He and some friends went to do some farming and they went to a farm. I had no idea what he did, but he organized it and he got went there and he said on his way home, he took the wrong bus and he ended up by the airport. And he's he but he was telling me not in a bad way, not in a complaining way. He was almost like bragging, like, Mom, you should you 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 don't you have no idea how many cities I just went through. I think I went, I think I was on the bus for seven hours. I went to so many cities. I've been here, I've been there. And he was just listing them. I said, Why? What happened? He goes, I guess I took the wrong bus, but it was so cool. And Pitom, I was at, you know, Bengoyon Airport. Um, these boys and these children of ours learn to be independent and they learn to do things on their own because we can't hold their hand, you know, and it it is great. um, My boys are 12 and 13. They take a bus in the morning to school, public bus we're talking about. And my daughter who is in high school also takes a bus. And my nine-year-old, we still go on the bus with her. It's only three stops. We're still American that way. <laughs> we're not sending her yet alone on the bus, although I, she's totally fine too, but we're just, you know, like American. But uh, I'm thinking for sure by, you know, in the middle of the year, next year, she'll be taking it by herself. But it's just a relief for me that I don't have to do carpool. Right. I don't know where you came from, but in Baltimore, my life was carpool. <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we've been here a long time. We came with uh, only two kids. There were two and three. So I never do carpool in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I think your listeners, if they have to do carpool, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah, you've eliminated that. And you even eliminated a car, which is like a dream. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's such a different life. And it, and it really is a different life. And you didn't mention that at all. But you, you, you really changed your life. And you seem to... Um, I don't hear any complaints. <laughs> and, and, and I guess it's your, can your I mindset. Tell you why? Can I tell you why? why? Even with the negative things, I say to myself, but we're in Israel. That's the best thing. Like, how can anything be? Negative? Yes, we have our challenges, but we feel like we've grown so much spiritually here too. Well, we rely more on Hashem than we did in America. In America, my husband and I had very good parnasa. We had very good jobs there. And making a nice salary together. We were what you'd call comfortable. And here it's very different. My husband, Baruch Hashem, was able to keep his job. I 
um, doing like some babysitting. I had my own preschool in, um, in America. And here I'm babysitting a few kids a day and they're cute and they're great, but the pronounce is very different. So you learn to, you, you know, that everything comes from Hashem and um, it's a very different life than it was in America. And even with the challenges that we're facing, I'd still rather be here. People ask my kids all the time, do you miss America? Would you like, do you wish you were still back in America? And their answer is we miss our friends but we're glad we're in Israel. And these are kids who have gone through so much, so many challenges with the language and the culture. Yeah, that's great to hear. And you don't even have to tell them to say that. They're saying that on their own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm always curious to know if their answer is going to change because, you know, we go through ups and downs here. Yeah. But their answers are consistent. That's amazing. You did a good job. You did something right. It's, you're, you, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really great to hear. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And um, all of you listening, if you have any questions about living up north, about living in Afula or any of the surrounding areas, please write to me at Natalie at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and I will reach out to Devorah and let her be our expert on the north, and we'll get all your questions answered. Because you know Israel, for its small size, does have a wide variety of places you can live. And why go to the places just because everyone else is going there? You know, it's it's nice to try something new. It's an adventure. And look, Devorah found this this little secret. What did you What did you call it? Uh, the a gem. Hidden gem. Hidden, hidden gem. gem. Yeah. Well, I think I have a hidden gem. We all have our hidden gems. So it was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Have a great week. And um, let's hope this war ends. I have to just say, if we're talking say. about Aliyah, I'm so sorry to interrupt. But just also the cost. I'm just going to add this at the end. For people who are considering and worrying about budgets, the cost of the schools is significantly cheaper here as well. My children go to what's called the Mamach school, which is a government Haredi school. It's what you call a public religious school. And I think the highest we pay for any of my kids is $700 for the year. It's about 3,000 shekel. And that's like the higher one. So I just wanted to throw that in there for people who are wondering how much schools cost. Because I remember that being one of my questions. For sure. That's a yeah. big, that's a big, um, that's a big benefit to, to moving here. It really is. Uh, people there are working for tuition. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally. Sorry to throw that in there. Thanks for letting no, me know. No, good. I'm glad you did. And I even wanted to ask you what your apartment costs. And I wanted you to tell us because the. Right. So I have, right. I have an agent that um, is actually Rabbi Gold's son. And he is like the Olim guy here that he helps all the Olim with their apartments, their houses. Um, I will forward you his information. And if people reach out to you, you can give it to them, his number. But I will tell you the average, you can get an apartment, um, a brand new, I'll tell you the apartments and what we have is a resale. The apartments you can get, I believe, for if I tell you in shekels, will you know how many dollars that is? Natalie? Yes, of course. Yeah, of okay. course. Um, so you can get here a brand new um, four to five bedroom apartment for 1.7, 1.6 at the lowest, I think. Mm-hmm. What is that? 1.6 million is divided by three and a half. So it's like $250,000. Now you're saying, you're you're saying apartment, but I want everyone to hear that an apartment, four or five bedroom, it's really like a house. It's big. Yeah. 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 And um, for the houses for, we have a five bedroom, the average 
it's actually going up, but between 1.9 and 2.2 is like on the high end. 1.9 million, 2.2 million. And that's what it is where I live. But yeah, so, so these are the, yeah, and that's a, the big house. That's a five bedroom house. Um, same thing, maybe a little more, maybe that's $350,000, but uh, so they're yeah. Not, they're not huge, I can't say, it's comfortable. We all feel very comfortable, but it's not the same as an American house. Okay. At least here in the North, because there are resales and people have renovated. Like we had like what you call a turnkey. Like we were able to move right in. Some people want to renovate. Um, but they do have also want to fool us some standalone um, houses also for around that price. That wait, wait, wait. What, what is your house? It's not a standalone house. So it's common in a Fula where it's kind of like, what do you call them? Um, attached, like semi-attached houses. Okay. Okay. And you share one wall. Corner, we have a corner unit. You don't hear like, it, it's very well made. It's not like flimsy. You don't even know that you have neighbors. Um, so we feel like it's our own house with huge fronts. Like um, they have a lot of outdoor living here. So we have a really beautiful front with outdoor furniture and like a big area. So we are outside a lot and we have it back and we have fruit trees. Like we have clementines, oranges, lemons. Nice. <laughs> really nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to come to a pool and eat some of your, uh, eat some of your fruit. I would love for you to come. Awesome. Well, great. Thank you so much.